I'm so glad to be here with you all, with my church family. Um, how about the revival going on over in Wilmore? You guys, you guys been, how many of you guys have actually been there to see what's going on? Okay. Uh, I, I haven't. Uh, I've just been hearing some amazing things. Uh, I, I just don't want to take the spot of somebody who really may need that. You know, uh, some college student is that, that, that is questioning is his or her even existence, or pastors about, about to just chuck it all and, and leave the ministry who needs that and everything. I'm hearing stories like that, story after story, people just being rejuvenated and encouraged and, 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 and given strength to just press on uh, the goodness of God. Now, I will say this, the revival in Asbury, at Asbury has spread. I believe as of last count, my last information, there are 27 other places, mostly college campuses, where this is going on. Uh, and there's a huge move of God, absolutely. Huge move of God. And, uh, and it's fantastic, and it's incredible that this is the series that we're doing right now. Because um, after revival hits, Revivals always stop. The day of Pentecost uh, was over at some point. All revivals will cease. And so what do we do after that? That's the question. Not what is going, because we are celebrating and everything like that, but what about the next 10 years, 20 years? How do we, what do we go from here? And this series is, a, uh, is going to be about that. Um, and and the, the reason that we need to do this is because right now there's a lot of different things going on, and we need to make sure we're moving in the same direction. Uh, I was talking with a former professor of mine at Asbury Seminary about two weeks ago, right before the revival hit. And uh, he, if you guys know anything about Asbury Seminary, it's primarily Methodist. A lot of the, uh, lot of the uh, professors there from the Methodist tradition, if you guys know what's going on, it's about to split. It's just really ugly and a lot of, no, nobody, nobody wins in this, okay, because it's so awful and so terrible. But we were talking about his church and the split that's occurring, how sad it is. And, 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 and he said, it's just so sad to see these people that I, that I fellowship with, you know, just kind of going their separate ways. He said, but the reason that's happening is because they can't agree on things. They can't, they're not moving in the same direction. They're, they're, they're going like this. And, and a family that does this isn't going to stay together. A couple that does this is not going to stay together. A church that does this is not going to stay together because it just gets too painful. And uh, we, we, he made the very, very good point of this. He said, we aren't splitting over worship style or over buildings, because they aren't even splitting over gay marriage or the LGBTQ issues, which everybody's talking about. That's not what they're splitting over. They're splitting over whether or not the Bible is the word of God. They, there's one side that says the Bible is the word of God, and the other, other side says, no, it isn't the word of God. And everything starts from there. Uh, they are splitting over who Jesus, who they believe Jesus to be. There's one side that says Jesus is the Son of God and salvation is found in him only. And the other side is saying, no, there are many roads to heaven. Jesus was just a good teacher. And when you have those things, you have irre irreconcilable differences, and that's what's going on. And so basically what he, what he described was, the way that I took it, was like a bunch of guys got together for a pickup game on a Saturday afternoon. And they showed up, and, uh, and, and, and everybody was cool. They wanted to play pickup. 
And, and some are wearing, you know, some black shirts, some are wearing green shirts, some are wearing red shirts, some are wearing white shirts, you know. You know and, and that was okay, that was fine. There's, there's, there's allowed to be that type of, uh, of stuff. But they couldn't decide what sport to play. Some wanted to play basketball, and they were using their hands. Some wanted to play soccer, and they're using their feet. Some people wanted to play baseball. They had a uh, you know, baseball glove. Some people wanted to play hockey, and they couldn't agree on the game. And when they couldn't agree on the game, there was no game. It was perfectly fine to have different colored shirts. There's variation, but they weren't playing the same game. And here in the same, in, in the thing is here, church, we've got to be playing the same game. We can have very, lots of variation as long as we're playing the same game. The Christian church, of which we're a part, says, has at its core philosophy, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, liberty, and all things, love. We're going to talk about this. So what are the essentials? If we were to say, what is the game? What, is the, what are the essentials that we have to agree on to be, church, to be a church, to have Christian fellowship? Well, the first one is this. Um, in essentials, unity, the Bible's the word of God. The Bible's the word of God. If we cannot agree that the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that is the infallible word of God, if we cannot agree on that, then we can't be a church. We cannot have some people saying, well, when Jesus says this, we're supposed to do this, and other people saying, well, I don't really think Jesus said that. We can't do that. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says this, All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you don't believe the Bible is the word of God, we might as well just stop there. If you have no base for belief, you have no base for belief in Jesus. Because guess what? The Bible talks about Jesus. Uh, you have no base for believing anything he said if you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Um, you have no basis for, uh, 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 your, 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 for, for grounding. Your faith becomes anything and everything you want it to be if you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. And therefore, we're not playing the same game, y'all. We can be friends, but you're trying to play basketball and we're trying to play football, and it's not going to work. We're not playing the same game. Um, right now, like I said, over in Wilmore, there's a revival going on, and it's just incredible. When I was a student at Asbury Seminary in the 90s, we heard about the 1970 revival all the time. We heard about it. Um, and uh, um, it is truly amazing to see that the Bible is being elevated. That this is not some amorphous feel-good thing. That the Word of God is being held up and honored and college students and high school students and the people who have, who have not grown up with the Bible as the Word of God are diving into Scripture, reading it publicly. It's just, it's just amazing. And so uh, uh, people, when a revival hits, people awaken and the first thing they awaken to is the truth of Scripture. And like I said uh, two weeks ago or last week, if it is a genuine thing, the first thing we're going to see is a turning to the Word of God. We're going to see professors that have minimized or, 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 or degraded the Word of God either repent or leave because of, because of the elevation of the Word of God. We're going to see that. We're going to see Christians who've never read the Bible will feel a huge sense of, uh, of passion to get into the Word. 
Um, it's, that's the first thing that happens in a true revival is awakening to the truth of God. So uh, there's a lot of stuff out there, and, it, and, it's, and it's very difficult for me to hear. I hear people saying, well, the Bible is just written by a bunch of patri- uh, patriarchal men. There were Stone Age tribesmen sitting in tents talking about the word. They didn't know anything about science. They didn't know anything about this or that. Well, yes, it was written by men. It was. Um, if a man came in here and told you that there's a tornado outside and the building's about to be level, we better get out. Would you believe him? We'd say, well, you're just a man. I'm not listening. No, it doesn't matter who said it. Well, it matters if it's true. That's the only thing that matters. Okay, it doesn't matter whether it was a man or a woman saying it only matters if it's true. And if the Bible is the word of God, it is true. It doesn't matter who wrote it. Okay? And, and that's what we have to decide. I've, I've heard people saying, well, the Bible is just a, a, a book of good advice. I've heard that. It's just good advice. It's the same as the Koran or the, or, or the Talmud or, or anything like that. The other holy, holy, I've heard all that too. Well, the Bible is the only one that talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is the basis of Christianity. And so if we don't believe the Bible's word of God, then, then, then we're sunk. That is an essential. If you don't believe that, uh, I, we're, we might as well stop there. The second thing that we must agree on, we move in the same direction, make sure we're playing the same game, is this, that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. Okay? Uh, that's an unpopular message today because it sounds judgmental. No, it's not judgmental at all. It's the most wonderful news in the world. Because it's salvation in Jesus Christ is for everyone, literally. There is, no, there is no skin color, there's no language, there's no culture that, the, that's, that Jesus Christ did not come to give his message to and to save. It's the most wonderful thing in the world. John 14, 6, Jesus says this. Uh, uh, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is essential and it's also offensive. But if we don't believe that, that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, that people without him are facing an eternity in hell, then we aren't a church because that was the message of Jesus. And we aren't arrogant enough to think that we can, we can temper Jesus' message. Right? And for two reasons. You say, Dave, how can you say that? For two reasons. One, if we don't believe Jesus is the, son, is the only way, then there's no reason whatsoever to celebrate Easter Sunday. There's no reason whatsoever to even have church here on Sunday morning if we don't believe Jesus is the only way. Because you know why you're here on Sunday. In in the Old Testament, Saturday is the Sabbath. Sunday became the day of worship to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus because the tomb was empty on a Sunday morning. Okay? That's why. We're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't the only way. Well, if there are ways to heaven through Hinduism and Islam, no need in being here, you all. Second, there's no point in making disciples or engaging in the Great Commission. If Jesus is not the only way, let's call Rob Esposito, let's call Laura Baxter, let's call Ravi and Ruben over in India and Nepal, let's call Dennis Herco in Jamaica and say, hey, we're not doing any more missions, we are not going to preach the gospel at all, because there's no point in making disciples whatsoever. We need to stop all mission work, stop sharing our faith with anything, uh, get rid of church, stop church planting, get rid of the baptistry, because there's no point in any of it if Jesus isn't the only way. See, why would Jesus tell us to go into all the world to make disciples if he wasn't the only way? 
See, I've heard the question, what about a person who's never heard of Jesus? What if they've never, they live and they die, they never heard of Jesus? Uh, is that person, um, you know, it, it, I, I think that person who's never heard the gospel is okay. Well, if that was the case, the worst thing we could do is tell people about Jesus. Be the worst thing. Matter of fact, if we truly believe that people are okay as long as they don't hear about Jesus, as long as they've never heard the gospel, they're okay, we need to go to UK Tell all the foreign students, you know, uh, that, that, are, that are coming from Muslim countries and atheistic countries, uh, I, I go up there and ask them, hey, have you ever heard the name Jesus? They're like, no. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you. If, if anyone approaches you and says, Jesus, I want you to stop up your ears and I want you to run away screaming because as long as you don't hear about Jesus, you're fine. But the second that you do and you don't accept, you're hellbound. Is that our evangelism strategy? No, it's not. Okay, see, Jesus believed he was the only way. That's why he went to the cross. If he thought there was salvation found in other ways, he would not have gone to the cross. Who would go through that if there's another way? If, if, he said, if that salvation could be found in following the teachings of Muhammad and Islam, salvation could be found in, in just being a good person, he would have told his disciples that. Hey, just be a good person, and you'll be in heaven when you die. I'm not going to the cross. But Jesus' actions showed that he believed that he was the only way, and we're not arrogant enough to think we know better than him. And if we ever lose that as a church, we are no longer a church. We're a nice group of nice people getting together to do nice things for people if we stop preaching that Jesus is the only way. We're no longer a church. Those are, that's it. The word of God and Jesus is the only way. Those are the essentials. That's the game. You'd say, well, well, what about all these other things? I hear what about denominations and baptism method. And all? Hang on, hang on, hang on. We have to define the game. If you, if you believe that the Bible is the word of God and that Jesus is the only way, we can have a church. Those are the essentials. We must be unified in those things, okay? And not essentials, liberty, we said, uh, not essentials. For example, let's take a, a, a very divisive issue like baptism method. We just saw a baptism over here. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. Uh, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. That moment, heaven was open. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. All right, so... People say, well, I don't really think baptism is necessary. Well, Jesus did. And if you think you know more than Jesus, let me know, okay? Um, there's a nice little room over, uh, you know, in a padded room for you, um, if you think you know more than Jesus. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we are commanded to be baptized, okay? However, there are a lot of ways people get baptized. A lot of different ways. Uh, when I was a, a camp dean for high school students, uh, we had a lot of, uh, at Bluegrass Christian Camp when I was doing high school ministry, we had a lot of college students come in uh, to, to, to serve. Most of them were fantastic, but there's always that one. Yeah. And, um, and one night we were sitting there talking, we started talking about baptism, and, and he'd been to Bible college for a semester. 
and, uh, and he knew what, he was going, what, what was going on. He made the comment that you had to be baptized by immersion. That was the only way. If you were not baptized by immersion, if you, you, know, if you were sprinkled or, or whatever, then you were hellbound. Okay? And, uh, and I said, hmm, okay. I said, you ever heard of a guy named John Wesley? He goes, yeah, the English revivalist. You know, preached 40,000 sermons a lifetime. You know, I'll, I'll, he just set off the Wesleyan revival. I said, oh, yeah. Heard of a guy named John Calvin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Swiss uh, theologian. He was, he was a man, he, he, Calvinism and the, and the Reformed tradition were all his, all his stuff. And I said, oh, heard of a thing, guy named St. Augustine, or George Whitfield, Martin Luther, you know, the, these giants of the faith. He's like, yeah, man, those guys are, we're studying those people in, in Bible college right now. Their writings are amazing. They're so inspiring. I said, well, they're in hell. And his eyes got huge. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, well, they were all baptized as infants. Every one of them. They were sprinkled as infants. They were not immersed. Their traditions did not do baptism by immersion. And his eyes got really wide. And I said, so I just want to ask you, um, do you really believe what you just said? And he, he, he thought to himself. And he said, well, that's just what I've been taught. And I said, well, let's make sure that the doors of our church are not narrower than the doors of heaven, okay? Let's make sure that we don't exclude people from Christian fellowship that God has Christian fellowship with. Also, let's not make sure that the doors of our church are wider than the doors of heaven, because, guys, we cannot teach people wrongly and tell them that they're okay when they're not, okay? People need the truth. Let's make sure that the doors of our church are the same size as the doors of heaven, not more narrow or wider, okay? There are wonderful, wonderful people who've been baptized by immersion, wonderful, wonderful people who've been sprinkled as infants. See, guys, it's not the method of baptism that matters. It boils down to Jesus Christ. It is all about Jesus Christ. Okay, so we're not going to get, here at Catalyst, a lot, of, a lot of you guys are here at Catalyst, we practice believer baptism by immersion. We do not uh, baptize infants. We don't do that. We believe that the most accurate, not the only, but the most accurate teaching about baptism is a, an adult who confesses faith uh, and is baptized. That's what we practice. But guys, there are people from other traditions that come to this church, Methodist, uh, Episcopalian, Lutheran, that baptize by, as infants. And, and they are perfectly fine with that. They've got the fruit of the Spirit. They're walking with Jesus. They love Jesus. And so we're, we're, that, that's, we're not going to get in a tiff over that. That's just the way it is. It's all about Jesus Christ. Do you love the Lord? And have you been baptized? Second thing, and this caused more division and the body of Christ, than anything I ever grew up with. Sunday morning style. Oh, how many of you all went to, were in church in the 90s? Okay, the, the, the worship wars, they called them. Oh, that was when people stopped wearing, uh, a preacher stopped wearing suits and ties, and, and, people, and guitars uh, replaced pipe organs on the stage, and I mean the massive meltdown conniption fit that the church had in the 90s over, over this kind of thing, it must have broken God's heart because Jesus was lost in this and brothers and sisters went at each other over things that didn't matter. 
1 Corinthians 9, 20 through 23, Paul wrote this, To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that all, by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its Blessings. If anyone wonders if this is the only way to worship God, I invite you to come over to Nepal with me this, this fall and see how they worship God. Guess what? They don't use English. They don't use the King James Version. They don't use the NIV Version. They use the Nepali version. They don't use guitars. They don't use pipe organs. They don't use bass guitars. They use drums and voices. Their worship style is completely and totally different from us. The men sit on one side. The women and children sit on the other side. And they have some of the most authentic worship I've ever seen in my life. We get so caught up in worship styles. Here at Catalyst, we used to be, do a very complicated Sunday morning. We wanted to, uh, we, we were creative. We wanted to express uh, a biblical truth creatively. We used to do a special music or a solo, a drama, a video, all this kind of stuff, and the, 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 what we called special elements. And there are churches that do those very well. I'm not knocking it, but we realized that our people weren't showing up for that. What our people wanted, they wanted to worship God. They wanted to hear the word of God taught and preached, and they wanted fellowship with their friends and family. That's what our people were hungry for. So we stripped down all of the elements other than praise and worshiping God, teaching from the word of God, and fellowship together as a family. If you notice, we're very simple here on Sunday morning. You might even say we're becoming traditional because we do the same thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing to be traditional as long as we're being relevant, okay? <clears throat> See, guys, what we realized was the people who were coming to Catalyst Christian Church did not have a high desire for entertainment. Um, and so the, 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 you, don't go, you don't come here to downtown Nicholsville in this church to be entertained. We're not entertaining people, okay? We're just not. Um, Hollywood has multi-billion dollar budgets uh, that um, almost rivals what we bring in on a Sunday, <clears throat> So, like I said, we pruned off everything that, uh, that, because we can't out Hollywood Hollywood. Um, our Sunday mornings became simple. Here's the thing. It's very easy to lapse into knocking churches that do the fog and the lights and the big, the, 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 the big thing because they've got the, the, the budget and the people and, the, and everything to do that. It's very easy to knock that. It's also very easy to go to the other extreme and knock the small country church that is, has wooden pews and no lights and, and no air conditioning and no heat. And, and uh, the only person there is a, is a pastor holding the Bible and preaching from the Word of God. It's easy to knock that too. I've heard, it, I've heard people knock it both ways. Well, I'm going to tell you this. Sunday morning worship style, however people do it, doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is it's the word of God being taught. 
is Jesus being lifted up, our disciples being made. And guys, I've, I've, experienced, I've experienced that everywhere. I actually like the fog and the lights and the big show. I like that. I've, I've taken youth to conferences where that kind of stuff is happening, and it is so cool. But you know what's cool, what's cool about it is that disciples are being made, that Jesus is being preached. And whether it's being preached through fog machines or through a bare wooden uh, stage with a, uh, with a, with a, a torn-up Bible, all that matters is Jesus is being uplifted. So let's make sure that we, uh, we don't criticize wherever God is working. Okay? Let's not be that arrogant. I hope that I never hear from a person at Catalyst how bad the other church down the street's doing it. Because if they are preaching the word of God, they are making disciples, God bless them. And it doesn't matter what their worship services look like, okay? Let's not make the mistakes of generations before us who saw the worship style and not the disciples being made, okay? They're preaching Christ. There are people no matter what the style is. Non-essentials liberty. Next one is denominational preference. This, people get hung up on this here. Uh, the uh, denominational preference. We're, we're not the only Christians, but we're Christians only is what, what we say around here. Acts 26, 20. First to those in Damascus and those in Jerusalem, all of Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I, finally, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That's it. Not to join the Baptist church or the Christian church or the Methodist church or the Episcopal church or, or anything like that. Repent and turn to Christ and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That's what Paul said. I was asked an interesting question by a friend of mine two weeks ago. He said this, are Catholics going to heaven? Well, that's a loaded question, isn't it? Uh, are Catholics going to heaven? My answer, some are and some aren't. He said, what do you mean? He said, do you know what they believe? I said, yes, I do. And I said, I want you to do something for me. I said, I want you to ask me that question about the people in my church. And he said, okay, I'll play along. He goes, are people that go to Catalyst Christian Church going to heaven? I said, some are, some aren't. See, guys, I'm not arrogant enough or naive enough to think that everyone in here is a child of God, that every person in here is saved. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make that mistake. Pastors do that. They assume that everyone's saved, that everyone's okay. They stop preaching the gospel. I know there are people in here that aren't saved. And if you aren't, I am so glad you're here. And I'm going to implore you as, as a pastor to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to confess your sins, to be baptized, and, 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 and begin the discipleship process. I'm begging you to do that right now. But I'm, I, I don't know if you're saved. Uh, it only matters about Jesus. Okay, like Catholics and Protestants. It's not your denomination that saves you. It's your relationship with Jesus Christ. I know many Catholics whose faith you know, uh, would dwarf many people sitting in Protestant churches today. And I know many people sitting in Protestant churches today whose faith in Jesus would dwarf the people receiving communion at the Catholic church down the, down, down the road. I know, uh, do Methodists, Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopals, etc., go to heaven if they love Jesus Christ? If they've been saved by, Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay. See, people, it's all about Jesus. Remember the gospel. There's good news. There's bad news. There's good news. The good news is God created the world, and he called it good. Every person in here, you are his creation. You're made in his image. He created you. He spent time on you, and he loves you. And when he created you, he pronounced you good. That's the good news. The bad news is, is that we blew it. 
Those things that you and I do where we fall short, where we, where we go against God's will, we're going against God's ways, those things that the Holy Spirit wrecks us about. That's called sin, and for that, uh, the sentence is hell. That's the bad news. But the good news is Jesus Christ came to this, uh, as a son of God, came to this earth, lived as a man, taught us how to love each other, went to the cross, died, was buried, resurrected on the third day, so that all who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel. I did not hear a single denomination mentioned in there because it's all about Jesus. Let's not get bogged down in denominations. I've been around church far too long, you all, to be impressed with the title or label. I've seen some of the most horrible people I've ever met in my life in the church. So have you. I've seen some of the most horrible people I've met outside the church. So have you. But the very best people I've ever met have been in the church. I am constantly amazed at how kind, how supportive, loving, encouraging, forgiving, quick to laugh, quick to love, quick to accept people as as Christians are. I don't know any organization or group on this planet that is as welcoming, that is as kind, uh, that, that is able to see past your faults as Christians. Christians are weird people. The worse you are, the more we love you. Like, it, it's, it's strange. If a murderer was to come up here and say, guys, I'm, I'm, I was messed up. I, was, I killed people. I've got a teardrop on my, tattooed on my cheek to, to, to mark that. I was proud. I wore it like a badge of honor. But I met Jesus, and I was baptized, and he, he saved me from my sin. What would this church do? Will we leave? No. This church would break out into applause. Why? Because Christians are the only people that do that. We're, the worse you are, the more we love you. I don't know any other group of people on this planet that is that way. Isn't that to the credit of the church? Isn't that a credit to what God can do with people? Isn't that amazing? One of my, uh, I, I've, and I've met those people in all types of circles. I met them in Methodist circles and Baptist circles and Episcopal circles. One of my best friends, pastor friends, is Justin Patterson. He pastors the, uh, the St. Athanasius Orthodox Church down there. Uh, he's a phenomenal priest, loves his people more than probably any pastor I've ever seen. Uh, we became brothers during the stress of 2020 when both of us were unable to serve our congregations and we watched our people need us and we couldn't be there for them. We had this calling that, to, to serve and to preach the gospel and we weren't allowed to meet together and, and the stress and the, the, just the despair we felt as pastors was weighing us down and we basically started praying for each other. How could we serve our people? And, and, we, and arm in arm, we got through it together. Uh, and we, he, he, he dealt with the same things that I did, you know, grieving the situation. And we were called to serve him, and our people couldn't. And then when we tried to serve our people or criticize for it, I mean, it was bad. But he's my brother, and he does things completely different than we do. So in essentials, liberty. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, salvation found him only. The Bible's the word of God. Non-essentials, liberty. The other stuff, it's the denominational preference, worship style, how you dress, whatever, how you look, that doesn't matter. In all things, love 
Ephesians 4, 2 through 6. Here's some great words for us as a church today. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through and and all. All things love. I don't really wonder why you guys are here this morning. It's astounding that you're here. Because ever since YouTube and Spotify came about, You guys have instant access to the best preachers in the world anytime you want. You can watch a great sermon from pastors that are much better than me. I watch Francis Chan. I watch John Piper. I watch all types of pastors preach. And gosh, they're so much better than me. It's almost depressing. You guys can go on Spotify and listen to professional musicians do worship music in multi-million dollar studios with producers that get paid to put out number one hits. You can do that. I remember when I was in youth ministry at Southland, we were cutting edge, man. We were cutting edge back then. You could get a cassette tape of the sermon, and it cost you five bucks. Yeah. We had them produced for you. You could buy the sermon. That's the only way you could hear the sermon if you missed it or if you wanted to hear it again. Or you could hire the pastor to come to your you know, family room and preach for you. No one ever did that. When I was a worship minister in my first ministry at a seminary, I had to buy the entire worship album, either the CD or the cassette, and make copies to, of the one song we were doing. How many of y'all remember doing that? Yeah, we had to buy an album for the one. Yeah, and I had to give it out via cassette to the worship team to learn the song. That's what, that was what it was like 20 years ago. Now you can go on YouTube, find the best preachers in the world, and watch for free. You can go to Spotify, listen to the best worship musicians in the world for, for free. So why come here on a Sunday morning when you can get all that in your home? Because there's something we have here you can't get on YouTube or Spotify. Love. Love. Look around you all. This is your community, your family. God set up the church because he knows we need community if we're going to survive. Tony Campolo told an amazing story. He went to preach at, a, uh, at an Episcopal church. And he preached the gospel, and he said the whole time there's a guy sitting up front just staring daggers through him. You know, kind of like my wife does sometimes when I'm telling her a story, you know, yeah, how that works. Staring daggers through him. And he went up to, he, he, so there were three aisles and he saw the guy go over there, so he tried to go this way to avoid him. Well, the guy made a beeline for him. And he said, he, he, he stared Tony Campolo in the face, didn't say a word. Campolo said, mister, I don't know what's bothering you. He goes, I can tell you're upset. He said, but I'm telling you, there are people here who love you, and if you will let them They will love you, and and if you will, you can love them too. And the guy just turned around and left. Well, about a year later, he was in the same town, and he was preaching at another church, and sitting in the front row was that same guy. And he's like, oh, no. This isn't going to go well. So he finishes his sermon, and and as soon as he's done, the guy makes a beeline for him. He goes, you remember me? 
Campala goes, yeah, yeah, you're the guy that like, was about to punch me out at church a year ago. He goes, that's right. He goes, that Sunday that you were there, the week before that, the only person that had ever loved me, my wife, I had lost. I buried her. The pastor here did the funeral, so I figured I owed him one, so I came to church. You preached on the love of God that day. And he said, you know, those words, you remember what you told me at the, at the door? Paul goes, something about these people who love you. He goes, that's right. He goes, well, I decided to listen. I came back the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. He goes, you know what I found? His tone softening. He goes, these people do love me. And I become part of this church. And last week, I was baptized as a Christian. And I just thought you'd like to know that. Isn't that amazing? It's the love that we have for each other that reaches people. You all loving each other will reach far more people for Christ than any sermon I'll ever preach. In all things, love. I've been watching the amazing move of God over in Wilmore this week. It's breaking out into 27 other places, like we said. The same thing happened 2,000 years ago on a day called, day called Pentecost. 3,000 people were baptized. Then what? Revivals are temporary things. Like we said earlier, what happens to all those people who rededicate their lives or accepted Christ for the first time? How many parents we got in here? Anybody, a parent, brought a child into the world? Okay. We celebrate infants being born, don't we? As we should. It's a monumental event. How many of you parents threw a party when the infant was born and then just left the hospital and left the infant there. What happens? The infant would die. Infant's born, yes, but the infant needs a family. Infant needs someone to care for them, to, to raise them, to protect them, to, to, to disciple them, right? How many of y'all have been to a wedding? Anybody been to a wedding before? Oh, I love weddings. I love weddings, okay? We don't say to a married couple, hey, you just went through a, a marriage ceremony. Hey, you got it all figured out. You've arrived. You're done. No. They, 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 they need to settle down when they get back from the honeymoon, uh, settle down and figure out how to live together and how to build a home together and how to love each other for the next 50 years of their lives, okay? In the same way, the early church understood that all these people are being baptized. They were like infants being born, that if they did not receive community, they did not receive teaching, they did not receive Christian fellowship, they would soon just go back to their non-Christian ways. And every person over in Asbury Seminary right now, or Asbury College right now, and the 27 other places that are breaking out in revival right now, if they do not have Christian fellowship, they will, within two months or six months, however long it takes, will be right back to the way they were. The early church understood that. So they set up a community. They set up a community as found in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This is how the early church acted after revival, and this is what we have to act like after revival as well. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. They broke uh, they, Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the result of that, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You want to continue the revival? You want to continue seeing people saved? Build the community. Let people see the love we have for one another. And the Lord will add daily to the number being saved. That's how the church acts after revival, and that's what we must do as well. If you are visiting here today, I'm so glad you're here. If you will let this group of people love you, we will. If you've been here for 15 years, I'm so glad you're here. If you will let the people here love you, we will. And if you understand that, be the person that initiates the love. Don't wait for someone to come up to you. If you're a mature Christian, let's set the culture here in unity, essentials. In non-essentials, liberty, in all things, love. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And let's be the community that God wants us to be. So glad you guys are here. Let's go be what God wants us to be. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.